Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is August 13th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and back for another week of talking Bruins. It's the middle of August, obviously. There's not much to talk about. I think I've been saying that for weeks now. Nothing on the Carlo front. Nothing on the McAvoy front. There's just been nothing to talk about with the Bruins. Charlie Coyle got honored in Weymouth the other day, though. That was That's for the biggest news of the week. Um, so, yeah, not much to talk about, but... This week, uh, I had on CBS Sports' Pete Blackburn, who's always a fun guest to have on. Uh, he was on last on Bruins Beat during the Stanley Cup, um, and he's here again now. So obviously, there's not much to talk about now, but we talk about sort of, you know, McAvoy and Carlo and what they should be paid. Um, and then we get into front office rankings that were in The Athletic earlier this week. And that's where... Uh, the interestingness in this podcast really, really lies. I think you're going to enjoy that one um, because no one else is talking about it, and we are. So, yeah, that's why you're listening. Anyways, without further ado, here is my conversation with Pete Blackburn. And we're here with Pete Blackburn. Pete, how are you? I'm fantastic. Enjoying the summer. How are you? I am doing the same thing. It is it is dead right now. You still are working with CBS. Uh, you love it. You know, you, you, you know, you work during the day and all that fun stuff. How's that been? Uh, it's good. I just came back from a work summit in Fort Lauderdale where we met with like, uh, basically the entire team uh, for CBS. And it's always as somebody who works from home, like 364 days a year, it's nice to actually like put some faces, uh, to names and things like that and realize that, uh, Hey, I actually work with real people who work out of like a real headquarters. And it's not just like, uh, this, you know, this website that gets run from a basement. It's nice to get out of the house. That, that's yes, pretty much absolutely. what you're saying. Absolutely. Oh yeah. No, it's, uh, that, that has to be so funny to see these people who have online relationships with. It was kind of like the Stanley cup. There were a lot of people I met right. who I just knew through Twitter and stuff and you meet them in person like, Oh, like, you're a real human being, not just right. You're more than you're more than just like an avatar on Twitter or uh, on Slack or something. It's it's very weird, but it's also like refreshing to realize that you work with real people. It's fun to have real human interactions. <laughs> Sometimes, not always. So, so uh, obviously, there's not a lot going on with the Bruins right now. We're sort of going off rankings and top ten lists and all that fun stuff. Nothing is happening on the Brandon Carlo uh, and Charlie McAvoy front. Probably won't until camp. What do you think is going to happen with that whole thing? What do you think the signing is going to be? All that fun stuff. Yeah, I don't know. My guess is pretty much as good as yours at this point. I, I think that the longer it goes, um, I, I don't know whether to expect like a bridge deal or a longer term extension type of deal. Uh, you know, I don't have any insider information. I think that, you know, based on my own personal feeling, I wouldn't mind a, a bridge deal for Charlie McAvoy. Um, just to kind of, Give yourself a little bit of leeway in finding out, you know, who he is and who he's going to be. I think that he's certainly trending in the right direction. Same as Brandon Carlo. 
But you know, I I, I wouldn't necessarily hate a, a bridge deal to get him paid uh, in a few years down the road. Uh, I think they're in a good spot right now in terms of you know roster construction things like that. So if you can make the money work, I wouldn't hate it. Um, I just you know obviously your your the end goal is just to get it done no matter what. And I, I have enough faith in this front office and what they've been able to do over the past handful of years in terms of keeping guys around at a fair price. I think they're where they usually shoot themselves in the foot is free agency uh, and, and uh, that sort of deal rather than retaining guys that they already have. So from everything that I've heard, McAvoy and Carlo, they want to be here. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily expect any deal that gets done to be something that we hate. Yeah. Well, Sweeney has been pretty good at re-signing his own guys. So right. you know, at least there's that to go off of. Um, I With McAvoy, see, I like the bridge deal idea, but part of me, a lot of me almost would rather have him, You lock, if you could lock him up long-term at a, at a price that's expensive now, but if he tr- continues to trend in the right direction, that becomes cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. I feel like maybe that would be, you know, a solid alternative, a solid option for a guy like McAvoy. Yeah, well, I think there's risks uh, in both on both sides of the camp. Like you're taking a risk at giving a long-term deal to a guy who hasn't really shown, uh, like for extended, extended periods of time that he is going to be, you know, that, that top pairing elite guy. And I, I do think that's where McAvoy is headed, but we don't know that for sure. And it's easy to get ahead of yourself and say, well, yeah, for sure he's going to be that guy. But, you know, he needs to prove it, I think, for, for an extended period of time before I'm very, confident and very safe in saying that he is that guy uh but if he does become that guy then you and you lock him up long term right now you're looking at a possible steal a few years down the road so you know there's there's a little bit of risk with a long-term deal there's also a little bit of risk with a bridge deal because if he does become that elite top pairing defenseman then you're going to have to pay him as such in in two three four years whatever the bridge deal uh length is so you know you're gonna have to pay him eventually yeah, see, the thing with McAvoy is, um, you know, the safe route would be do the bridge deal now, see what he becomes, all that stuff. Um, but again, like, if he becomes that top parent defenseman, he's going to be really, really hard to afford in the future. You know, right. they can pay it, but it's going to be a lot more money than now. Whereas, you know, if you sign him this big deal that's long term and, you know, maybe at seven, you know, six and a half, seven million seven and a half, maybe a year, then it's like, wow, that's, you know, a lot right now, but maybe a steal later. Um, the other thing with the other interesting thing is with Carlo, with a guy like Brandon Carlo, it feels like we saw his ceiling in the playoffs. We saw what he can be this sh- great shutdown defenseman, the next char of the next generation, that whole sort of thing. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think the right move would be lock him up long-term at a deal that's relatively cheap so it's maybe a six-year deal at you know i know it's odd a six-year deal at three and a half four million um sort of what do you think of that yeah i th- i think that that's that's too little money for brandon carlo like if brandon carlo's smart he's gonna ask for a lot more money than that because you, like you said he is uh he is that shutdown guy and i know that those guys don't necessarily get paid like the uh like the you know the the guys who have more of a two-way game to them um, like a McAvoy or, or like a, you know, like a Drew Doughty or something like that. Um, you know, they don't necessarily make as much bank, but 
Brandon Carlo is worth more than three and a half million dollars a year, especially if you're paying him for, for that long. Uh, and with the way that the, you know, the, the cap is increasing and, and guys are just getting paid more to begin with. I think that if you're Brandon Carlo, you, you maybe look at a guy like, uh, like Tyler Myers and say, well, if that guy just got six million dollars a year and he's like a third pairing defenseman, I should be getting a lot, a lot of money. And so, you know, obviously with the restricted free agency, he doesn't necessarily have the, you know, the negotiating sort of chips and, and leverage. But I think that he's going to get more money than that. I would, I would say probably like, if I had to guess, probably in like the four to five million dollar range. Um, if it's, three, if, if it's at, at like length, low. right. Three and a half would be very low. I mean, that would be like the, te- that'd be team friendly for team friendly. Like that would just be right. If you could get, if you could get, uh, Carlo for like six years at, at five million a year, like a six year, $30 million anywhere in that range, I would take that for sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot, but again, like as you said, I don't think it's a lot for for like a top pairing like shutdown guy because Carlo can be that shutdown guy, and he's still what twenty two years old. So, uh, you know, I I really do think that Carlo is is worth that that amount of money. Well, it's a lot, but it's worth it. It's right. worth it. Like that. That's uh, you know, they don't have anybody else in that system right now that is a shutdown defenseman as Brennan Carlo is. It feel it just feels like that. At least yeah, it, it, it might be developing and the guys that are on the ice right now for the Bruins. And it's possible that you, you could be overpaying like in the first couple of years of that deal, but by the time year three, four, five, six rolls around, that's gonna be either market value or it's gonna be a steal. Like that's I think that's just the player that Brennan Carlo is. It feels like the to wrap this part, portion uh, of of our of our talk up. I feel like the the safe move for the Bruins is lock Carlo up long term and bridge deal for McAvoy. See what he turns into. You know, you you're in a tight cap situation right now. Why force it? So I feel like that's sort of the safe route on both ends. Nobody knows what's going to happen because nothing's been leaked out. Nothing's really been talked about. It's very, very quiet. It's crazy. It's so quiet. There's nothing going on. And that's, but, the, but that's not like that. Their situation is not an anomaly or, or like a outlier from the rest of the league because there are plenty of restricted free agents across the league and you're not hearing anything. Obviously we're not as plugged into other markets and things like that, but the guys like Patrick Line, like I haven't heard a lot about about all these other restricted free agents, and there just doesn't seem to be a ton of movement there. I don't know if they're waiting for like the 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 Marner shoot to drop or, or something like that, but like there, this is crazy how many restricted free agents there are right now, and how little chatter there is surrounding them. James Myrtle had a piece in the Athletic a few weeks ago where he listed like because he was talking about the Marner because he's a Toronto, uh, right? He's a Toronto guy. Um, he was talking about how. Uh, Marner hasn't been re-signed yet, and it feels like everyone's waiting for that shoe to drop before everybody else re-signs. And he listed everyone else who has not re-signed. And it's insane, all the good young talent that just don't have contracts. Right. They don't have contracts. Like, like that, like there is, so there's a... There was a trade rumor that came out and I, I don't know how, like, how legitimate it is, but they said, it said, uh, that the Canucks are interested in, uh, in trading for Marner. Um, and so I looked into that a little bit and I didn't even realize that, uh, that, uh, Canucks haven't signed Besser. Uh, they haven't signed Godolbin. They have like $5 million in cap space. So, uh, they're in a tough spot over there as well. So, uh, it's, it definitely is not a situation that is, you know, exclusive to the Bruins. And I guess that makes me feel a little bit better about sort of the position that you're in because 
it is a tough position. I mean, what do they get for cap space? Like seven million dollars, uh, seven seven point two million with with those two guys sign them. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a tough spot to be in, but it's not a uh, it's not they're not the only team in that spot. I'm not surprised a Jim Benning team has a tough time with salary cap. Um, uh, the list right here, I have it. Uh, Miko Rantanen, Braden Point, Mitch Marner, Matthew Kachuk, Patrick Laine, Kyle Connor, both on the same team, Brock Besser, Travis Konechny, Colin White, and then on defense, McAvoy, Wierenski, Provorov. I mean, there's a lot of good young talent out there that just right. don't have contracts yet, which is just really boring for this month. I mean, we need some news to talk about. We've been, I mean, I've had this conversation about McAvoy and Carlo like a million times at this point. Um, so something that is new and different, um, Dom Lucizen, if that's, I don't, I think that's his last name, a really good writer for the athletic. He released his, uh, power rankings for front offices and the Bruins came in at ninth, which is good. That's a good ranking. That's not bad. That's top, top 10 of the league. Yeah, that's that's a good ranking. Um what stood out to me about this um was the difference between the public opinion and the fan base. So public opinion I think is him talking around the league to people sort of what they think. Uh fan base is just getting fan reaction. And I looked through every team and most teams if not all, the fan base was uh had ranked the team higher than the public opinion did. With the Bruins. Of course. Of course. The Bruins, on the other hand, public opinion versus fan base. For roster building, public opinion put the Bruins second ranked. Fan base had them 12th. Cap management, the Bruins, uh, public opinion put them at fifth. Fan base put them at 16th. Draft and development, public opinion put them at seventh. <laughs> fan base put them at 19th. Trading, public opinion put them at ninth. Fan base, 18th. Free Jesus agency. Christ. Free agency. Public opinion put him at 14th. Fan base, 22nd. And team vision. Public opinion put them at 5th. Fan base, 14th. And then overall, public opinion put the Bruins front office in 6th place. The fan base had them in 18th. Jeez, I- you're, you're just one win away from winning the Stanley Cup. That's the thing. That boggles my mind. I know Bruins fans are more critical of their team like they're the most critical fans in boston oh yeah but to put a team that was one win away from a stanley cup 18th that's insane to me How is and i know there's like a little bit of recency bias here but trading being so low there is is crazy because the two guys that don sweeney traded for during this past season were two of their best forwards in the playoff run and they arguably don't don't make it that far uh without those two guys and you didn't give up too much for him. Like I, I liked Ryan Donato, but I would do that trade a hundred times out of a hundred looking back on the way things went. And the fact that you had Coyle for another year of control, really, really good. So like, I know that Bruins fans are extremely negative. I know that Bruins fans are often extremely dumb, but that is, that is pretty wild that they came in so low after a season in which they're one win away from winning the Stanley Cup. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Coyle and Johansson carried that team for a good stretch of time in the playoffs. I think it was right. in the Columbus series. They had a bunch of points. And I, I, I mean, I'm surprised because if you look at other teams, like the Rangers just did a ton of stuff. They were ranked ahead of the Bruins. I mean, if you ask people a year ago where the Rangers were, they're bottom third of the league with oh, front yeah. off management. You have the blue, the St. Louis Blues who were ranked fourth on this list. Obviously, they just won the Stanley Cup. I mean, you can't put them anywhere else, but 
I mean, if you and, and this isn't even wrote this, if you were if he when he did this in December, they were in the bottom six of the league. Um, and then of course the Carolina Hurricanes are sixth, and they have a terrible GM situation right now because Waddell's interviewing with uh, the Minnesota Wild. So I'm just surprised, sort of, at the Bruins. You know, I'm they're in the right spot; they should be in the top ten. But the fan base was just, I, I mean, I want to know what how big of a swing it would be had they won game seven. Like you you get, you're in the Stanley cup final three years in the last 10 years, you win two of them and like public opinion has to be sky high has to be like, it has to be sky high. And the fact that you lose the game and you're throwing them 18th, 19th in the league is crazy. That's way too massive. If the Bruins won the cup, I think that the storyline of this summer is like, they won the cup, hurrah, you know, and the McAvoy and Carlos signings are big, but I don't think that's like the forefront of people's minds. Now it's like, that's the only thing on people's mind. Oh, the Bruins are tight with the cap. Oh, the Dave Backus contract. Oh, McAvoy and Carlo instead of, oh my God, we won the Stanley cup. So I think that's sort of maybe why public opinion is so low. It's funny. I mean, you know, you mentioned the Bruins going to three cups in the past 10 years. The Blackhawks were 25th on this list. The Penguins were 26th. I mean, these are teams that have had a ton of success and, you know. But um, also those teams are in much worse situations than the Bruins oh, right now. 100%. 100%. 100%. But, you know, you, you know, you mentioned that. So I was just kind of surprised at the, the fan base. Like, I, was, I, that was so funny to me that they were just that tough on the team. I mean, we see it on Twitter. You know, the occasional, oh, they should trade Rask. Like, if you say, like, you know, Krejci's a pretty, you know, uh, pretty controversial subject. If you bring up David Krejci, oh, trade him, don't trade him. Polarizing, that's the word I was looking for. So, yeah. um, So, with that, Bruins fans hate their team, obviously. Yeah. And uh, something else I found kind of interesting about this was uh, if you look at the top five, and this is not news to anybody, but the top five, number one was Tampa Bay, and mm-hmm. number five was Toronto, mm-hmm. both in your division. That's not very fun, is it? No, I, I mean, I think that you, we all know this, like the Atlantic is an absolute juggernaut at the top, and I think it is a three-team race, but I, I would say, where's Florida on that list at this point? Uh, um, Florida actually, let me take a peek at this. Uh, hmm. That's that's a curious one for me because Florida has been an absolute mess for like the past handful of years, but they are trending in the right direction and they could be a, a real sleeper this year for a lot of people. Um, but also they just overpaid like crazy for Sergey Bobrovsky. So I'm sort of interested how where they fall. They were 15th. And if you look at free agency, public opinion has them at 11th. Fan base has them at 12th. For me, I mean, I think the Bobrovsky signing is terrible. I mean, for it's the gonna, short term. Like right. awesome, great. It gets you some some publicity down there. I mean, I don't know if it still puts you over the attention of the Tampa Bay Lightning. It doesn't, but no, definitely not. Especially in the state of Florida, but it, you know, it puts you in the conversation, the Atlantic Division. Now, I thought they were in the conversation last year. They came out and they weren't. Um, but now you, they actually you need goaltending. Like you, you, you yeah, find was, out that you need goaltending, and that's why they were willing to overpay so hard for goaltending. And you know, on the front end of that deal, it, it could look bad in like two or three years. It could look bad next year, honestly. I, I really am not sold on Bobrovsky being an elite goalie uh, anymore. But uh, yeah, I think that you know, there's no bad contracts on a Stanley Cup winning team. So if they win on the front end, then. You know, all the power to them, but I really do think that that contract has potential to look terrible 
in two or three years. See, I think the most questionable move of the offseason for the Panthers might not have even been that uh, deal for Bobrovsky. It was drafting the goalie in the first round. Like you lock up a goal, you lock up Bobrovsky for 10 years. That contract is not going anywhere. And then you draft a goalie. What pick were they? They were like 12th or 13th, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, they were in like the teens, I think. And they draft a goalie. Like that's, it was, it's that's, not, a, it's not, not 10 years, seven years, seven years, 10 million per. That's seven right. years, 60 million. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's that, but I just, it just surprised me that they would draft a goalie. I mean, I know at the time they didn't have Bobrovsky locked down, but kind of surprising to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, goalies take a little bit to develop and, and, you know, it'll be at least a few years before, uh, what's, what, uh, what was the goalie? Was it, uh, Knight? It was Knight. And they compared yeah. him to Kevin Price. Yeah. And so like, it, it, it'll take him a few years to develop. And, uh, again, like it could work out in the sense that like Bobrovsky, could be shit in like three in like three years and you know Knight could be starting on that team with your backup goaltender making <laughs> 10 million dollars um but yeah I think that they're kind of just they know they it, you, you have you have a core in Florida that has been uh you know perennial underachievers I, I really like their core I think that they uh have done some really nice things and they just haven't been able to put it all together and you know, find a ton of success and they found out that you need goaltending to win and they found out in the hardest way possible. And so now I think that they're really just putting all their chips into goaltending. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe it, it works out. Maybe it doesn't, but you know, I don't hate taking the best player on the board. And if they thought that that was night and they thought that he would be, uh, like the pillar that they need moving forward, I don't hate it, especially, uh, especially, you know, with, very price comparison thing like that. I, I just have, I don't, I wouldn't say that that is the, the biggest question mark. I would say that Bobrovsky is because you could have got a guy like, like Leonard for a short, a shorter term sort of like, uh, contingency plan in goal, or you could have went out and gotten a Varlamov, Varlamov. Like, I know that he's maybe not the same sort of quality as Bobrovsky, but the drop off is not that far in terms of like looking at the, the pro and con of committing. $70 million uh, over seven years. I mean, we saw it here in Boston during the second round. I mean, Bobrovsky was lights out the first couple games, and right. then he just returned right to his old ways and was just not at all. So, I mean, he's been a puddle in the playoffs his whole career. This year, you know, he was good against Tampa, okay against the Bruins for the first couple games. But, I mean, look, it's an upgrade in Florida. They need some publicity. It's sort of worth it now, but obviously long-term, that deal is probably going to haunt them. Um, how much do you think the ranking for the Bruins in this front office power rankings change if they can get the McAvoy and Carlo deal done maybe during training camp and for team-friendly uh, numbers? You think they go up into the top five? You think they just go up a, a rung? Do Bruins fans still hate them? Like, what, what do you think happens? No, I, I think uh, I think it probably will sway a little bit. I don't know if it gets them into the top five or whatever. Um, it, you know, what, fan perspective was, what, 18? Yeah, 18th. Like you, you have to get into the top 10. It's crazy that they're not in the top 10 at this point. And like, if they get those two guys signed, they should be in the top 10. Like there shouldn't be a ton of doom and gloom around here, but I just, I feel like there is a general sense of doom and gloom because they lost the Stanley Cup final and because like now all the attention has shifted, like you said, to these signings and also to the fact that like, 
hey, this window is closing. Maybe that was just our best opportunity to win a cup with like with Bergeron, with Krejci, with Ras, with Chara, like this group. That was just our best chance and we blew it. And so I think that there is a general sense of negativity because that just happened. Um, but you know, it really shouldn't be because I don't think anybody expected them to get that far last year. And obviously sort of like the path worked out in terms of Tampa getting eliminated in the first round. And then you ended up getting Columbus and in Carolina, which is about as easy as, as a path as you could have hoped for. And the blue. Oh still think the Bruins are better than the Blues. Uh, I still think they should have won the Stanley Cup final. They obviously didn't, and they didn't deserve to, given the way that they played and, and uh, some of the contributions and the guys that went quiet. But there shouldn't be an overall sense of doom and gloom because you still have a, a really good core here. You still have a lot of uh, young players who are going to be, presumably, with this team for, for a long time to come. And so uh, they're, I would say that they're still trending in the right direction. Yeah, as you said, the young core, I mean, they've rebuilt on the fly. You know, they've re, you know, guys like Pasternak, DeBrus, Carlo McAvoy are, are here. I mean, if you said in 2011 that in 2019, which is like eight years later, they would still have like a very similar core with Chara, Bergeron, Mar, uh, Marshan, uh, you know, obviously not Thomas, but Rask, who was on the team then mixed with a, a younger group going to this game seven of the Stanley Cup finals. I think that would surprise a lot of people. So forget 2011. You just said in 2016, like when they had just yeah. like the team was trending hard in the wrong direction, like very, very hard. I was, I was like in the 2016, 2015, 2016 area, uh, area of time. I was like, this team is not going to get back to the Stanley cup final with this group. Like it's, it's over. They're going to have to like, they're going to have to rebuild at some point. And it's been a quick turnaround. Like they've, they've made Don Sweeney has, like really settled into the job. I think he's made some, some mistakes for sure. I mean, David Backus, everybody knows how bad that signing is. He's had some missteps, but this team is still in a pretty positive position and I think it's worth feeling good about. So uh, obviously you're not feeling great after losing in the Stanley cup final, but uh, a lot of reason to be positive. And apparently that is not uh, the general sense from the fan base. No, it is not. Real quickly, though, uh, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. Um, the NHL just put out their top 20 wings. NHL Network ranks them. And obviously, this isn't, isn't the be-all, end-all. I'm not a huge fan of top 20, 10 lists. I mean, I just we just did a whole podcast on a top 32 list, 31 list of NHL front offices, so obviously we put some stock in them. But um, in the top 20 wings, uh, Bruins, uh, Brad Marchand was in fourth. And David Pasternak was 10th. Um, one through 10, Nikita Kucherov was one, Patrick Kane two, Ovechkin three, Marshan four, Marner five, uh, Dreisaitl six, Gaudreau seven, Panarin eight, Rantanen nine, and then Pasternak 10. Nobody cares about 10 through uh, nine, uh, 11 through 20. Do you put a lot of stock in these lists? Are they, are they fun to talk about? What, what, what is with them? Uh, I'm just going to say this. I, I refuse to talk about any uh, list from NHL Network because I'm convinced that they make them bad on purpose to garner discussion. Uh, there's just like no way that the people that work there can be that stupid. Like it's, it, there are just some crazy, crazy parts of those lists. And they always come out around this time of the summer when there's nothing else to talk about. And Perfect. I really, I really do think that, that it's, they make them bad on purpose so that people will talk about them. See, I think that's like with Bleacher Report. 
like they will put out like a quarterback ranking or there was that guy uh I forget his name earlier this summer who put Brady as like the like not even in the yeah, top Yeah, of course. Team. Of or, course. Like, just an attention grab. And and people had him on radio shows all over the country and I'm like this guy yeah. just wants attention. Why are we giving it to him? Like who cares what this guy thinks about Brady? I mean he's like it's not like he's any prominent name and he's just doing it for attention so who cares? Um but this list I didn't see any at least in the top 10 I didn't see any that were grossly yeah i think the center's list uh, uh, it was more egregious like the wing one was okay but like again i i hate doing i hate like the discussion about these lists just because like there is nothing else to talk about and that like they're capitalizing on just that fact that that nothing's happening right now it goes to show how much more And they're boring. so arbitrary. Like, there's, their lists are so, so arbitrary. Like, if people want to argue about, like, these, uh, these rankings that have real, no real meaning at all. <laughs> uh, so it's, you know, I try not to get involved or try not to get, like, outraged that, like, Pasternak is 10th or whatever. So, I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, the center's list, was out last week. Bergeron was seventh. I know people are like, how is he not in the top five? It, top 10, you can interchange any of those guys who aren't the top three. I mean, the, the, it's no big deal. Well, so no, I, what was, uh, what was the top three? Because I think, I, I know I said I wasn't going to discuss this, but I think that, uh, okay. okay. All fact, right. So t- no, top number, three. the fact that McKinnon wasn't number two was like crazy to me. Well, okay. It's, so it's, it's McDavid, Crosby and K- McKinnon, right? Yeah, I, I don't think – I mean, McKinnon's nasty and deserves to be in it, but I don't know if he's unseated Crosby or McDavid for – No, no, no. I, th- I, th- I, would, I would probably do uh, McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby. I, I, I know Crosby's, like, still Crosby, but McKinnon is, I think, like, the second most electric player in the league. And he, he does not- I think I think that he can take over a game at this point in time better than Sidney Crosby can. That doesn't necessarily mean – that he's like a better overall player, but I do think that he is possibly like a bigger game breaker than, than Crosby is at, at this point in time. I mean, during the playoffs against the flames, I mean, he was lights out good. Right. So good. Um, it, it just, he's in Colorado. It doesn't get a lot of, doesn't get a ton of publicity, but they're going to get more soon. Colorado was ranked, I think on that front office list, I, they were in the top five. It might've been three. Um, they were ranked very, very high. Um, Barkoff at four surprised me, but he is nasty. It's just, yeah. we don't, so again, that's, a, that's a situation like it, like McKinnon's in Colorado and they don't get a ton of attention, I guess. Uh, but that's just because they haven't been very good over the past. Like, I mean, they were good last year and they were better than expected the year before, but like they were the worst team in the league the year before that. So, uh, <laughs> they haven't done a, a, a ton there, but like, if you want to talk about a guy who's really, really good. And doesn't get any attention. Barkov in Florida is, is probably at the top of that list. And it, at this point, it's like he's so, he's constantly touted as like the most underrated player that he's not underrated anymore. Cause everybody always talks about him as being the most underrated guy in the league. Yeah. I feel like once you talk about someone, if he's number four. <laughs> yeah. I feel like once you start talking about someone who's underrated, they're not underrated anymore. The right, underrated person you don't think of. You talk about underrated guys so much that they become overrated because everybody's always like, Oh, this guy's so underrated. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the top 20 centers were last summer and where Barkov ranked in that to see if he's like, like underrated would be a guy who isn't on this list. Underrated would be like Sean Couturier who, yeah. who did not make this list. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I find them fun to look at. I don't love them because again, they're, they're so arbitrary and they're not the be all end all. Right. Um, but yeah, they're fun to look I, at, but I don't put a lot of stock into them and I don't want to expend a lot of energy, uh, debating, debating these oh, arbitrary. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're pointless. They're just cause it's August and we have nothing to do. Yeah, um, but hopefully, uh, you guys enjoyed this podcast. Anyways, Pete, thank you so much. Do you want to plug anything? Uh, yeah. Uh, my writing on cbssports.com. You can go check that out. Uh, my podcast brunch, uh, listen to brunch on Twitter and then just brunch and wherever you listen to your podcast. So that's about it. That seems nice. Yeah. Brunch is great. My Twitter yeah. account, Pete Blackburn. It's just my name. Might as well. All right, Pete. Thank you so much uh, for stealing us media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Have a tremendous rest of your week. Mm-hmm.